praise the Lord. It's so good to be here. It's always an honor uh, to be in this place. The presence of God is so rich and so deep and so high and wide. And I, I'm just so grateful and honored. I, I believe that God has uh, given a word for this season and time that you're in. I know that before your pastors left, uh, he gave a word that it's not four more months to the harvest, but the harvest yeah. is now. And so I want to speak some words um, that would help position us because this is a, a campaign that he is uh, initiating and that when we start to think, think about the harvest, we got to understand that you don't just waltz into the harvest. I know we've, we've come to a place where we invite people to come to the church and we almost make them the center of the gospel. And all we think about is their comfort and convenience. And so in this light, we see a church of spectators that just come to sit. And we don't realize that it is our own fault that we are creating this atmosphere. That we need to tell the people and even remind ourselves that your value is not in the condition that you may be in or the difficulties. Is in the price that was paid for you, the blood of Jesus. So what, we, what I want to tell you is that God will bring you into some difficult places and some difficult seasons in your life, but that doesn't lessen your value in his eyes. And so today I want to talk about the sword of the Lord and the holy place. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, that he did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And Joshua in the plains of Jericho, he meets the Lord, but he doesn't recognize him because he has a sword and he's standing opposite of Joshua. And we have to understand that the sword is that which separates that me life, that everything that's about me, that surrounds me, my comfort, my joy, and everything, it is what cuts away at that. We call it the body of sin of the flesh or the flesh or that mind on the flesh that continually always, what about me? So we... See, I'm going to read uh, the scripture, but I want you to hear the voice. See, the word of the Lord comes, and you read it in the scripture, you hear it, but when you hear the voice, the whispering, tender voice that's in your heart that's speaking to you personally. See, we can read the scripture and say it must be about somebody else. Surely they must have done something to have 
this difficulty that they are in, thinking that everything that God wants is your convenience, and if it doesn't line up with your convenience, you must be um, not blessed. So we are the center of the gospel. I got to satisfy you and keep you. You can wander in anytime. Um, the gospel is still the power of God to salvation to all that believe, but there's another component to it. It's called obeying the voice of the Lord. And that never changed from the garden all the way through Revelation, obeying the voice, the voice, the voice of God. But it is that tender voice, the voice that caused Elijah to cover his face when he heard it. Speaking personally. So we have to make some adjustments for this next season. Because this is a camp campaign. It is a, uh, a military operation. A series of military operations intended to achieve a particular objective confined to a particular area. God is saying the harvest is ready. But you have to go in and take it. And you have to know that the devil has fortified the harvest. He is, is, is fortified to the, to the heights of heaven. He, he is protecting what he considers value. We are going after gold and silver, but he uses gold and silver to entice what really is important, the souls of men. He, he uses, he said, if you bow down and worship before me, I'll give you all of this, but we are going after all of this and the souls, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. And Jesus said he must not have compassion because when he had compassion, he was moved when he saw them like sheep without a shepherd. We don't see that. Like I said, we look at the, the things that we think are valuable and we are going after the gold and Satan is fortifying around the harvest and the souls of men. And we think we're going to walk into the harvest with a seeker-sensitive message. And yes, they may come. You may get some people to come, but they remain in the same place until the sword comes. Until difficulties come, and then they fall away because they have no foundation because you have to be rooted and grounded in Christ. You got to understand, as I said before, that your value is not in your circumstance or what you might be going through. It's what was paid for you. And then he invites you to join him. And then he says things like, and I'm going to read it, that he sends you like sheep among wolves. He said, don't, don't worry. Your value is not in what's being done to you. Rejection. Hate. In Matthew 10, he tells you, you're going to be hated for my name. I don't like to be hated, Lord. I want everybody to love me. That's why I, I continue to try to please everyone. But in the day of the sword, it becomes increasingly difficult to have your happy face on all the time. 
That's why many of you are going through real difficulty, and you don't know it's the, it's the Lord. I think it's the devil. Because if we had our way, we would just continue to be babes and carnal and fleshly, and we would continue to be a fleshly church that accommodating all kinds of feelings. No one can tell you and give you an, a command because that hurt your feelings. So it's, it, it, it's, it's hard because we have created this gospel and we don't preach the gospel of the kingdom that says through many tribulations, through break and brokenness and pain and suffering and narrowness, confining space, you must enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus is not trying to accommodate your flesh. He comes as a sword. He begins to cut away. And as he begins to cut away, the things that you used to could just hide, patient with hard people, don't realize that you're a hard person too. Every selfish person is hard and difficult to live with. And so he begins to expose the flesh. We don't much like that. It, it, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't hate my life like the Bible tells us. You must hate your life in, a, in order to gain it. You must lose it. I, I kind of like this life. And, 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 and I, I try to protect it. And, and, and even, even the pastors and leaders, they, 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 they have some flesh. And we try to protect it. But in this season, the sword is in the house. It's in the, the family of God. It's in your own family. You are. It, it, husbands are yelling at their wives. And why? Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm not talking to anyone specific. I'm just talking about husbands. And, 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 uh, and it's not your family necessary, but it's the family, because we can't hide it anymore. We get frustrated over the littlest thing, just the, the littlest thing that's just piss you off. And, and you know, oh, I've been born again, and you don't want to act like that, but you can't help it because the sword is there, and he's cutting away, and you can't continue to babysit the flesh. And so when Fathers against children and children against fathers and, and husbands against wife. We get scared not realizing that the sword is in the house. And he's exposing what's really there so that you can hate it. Not, not, not feel sorry and say, oh God, I can't believe I did that again. So that you can hate it. So that you can leave it. And, and it's not something that the Holy Spirit is, is said, oh, I didn't know this was in here. Oh, my goodness, what am I going to do now? Oh, that church is fighting against church, and, and people are fighting against people. And he says, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword to cut away and, and expose the flesh because the church that's going to reproduce is not going to reproduce after its own kind of the flesh, but after the spirit. So we have to come to this place where 
we see Jesus. And we're coming on the, and I'm speaking out of Joshua chapter 5, and we come and we see him. And he doesn't look like the Jesus that I created. He doesn't look like the one that I, I said, oh, oh, Jesus, I'm so, my, my flesh, everything. Jesus, what do you have for me today? Oh, Jesus, don't you know that I'm hurting? And you're trying to tell Jesus how to satisfy your flesh. And he's bringing us out into a place where we can't just keep that hidden any longer. That's why I said I, I, I don't worry when things just begin to happen in a, in a family. The church is close. But things begin to happen and we get frustrated with one another. We get frustrated even with our leaders. We get frustrated and we don't want to uh, honor them. We have such a difficult time not realizing how we dishonor people. We can't even, we don't even know it anymore. Because we're so centered on ourselves. Well, they don't know what they, you don't know what they did to me. It's me. The gospel of me. Not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel that satisfies me. And we don't realize that the Father said, I know what you need. You just think you know what you need. You just think you know for that moment how to satisfy your flesh. But the Bible says we don't even know what to pray for as we ought to. But the Holy Spirit prays the will of God for every last one of us. And we are trying to tell God how to satisfy our flesh. And he said, I'm bringing you into a whole nother season now. And we have to understand that this is about reaching a harvest that's the devil is fortified. He, is, he, he won't even let the light of the gospel come through when it's this seeker-sensitive thing that we're trying to satisfy everybody. Come on over here and, and sit down and, and, and yes, <laughs> everything's going to be fine. You in the house of the Lord. Let me just read one verse at least. <laughs> this message came to me first. I wished I was an angel and didn't have flesh. I wish I could just say, you know, oh, Pastor Daniels is such a gentle man. Oh, Pastor Daniels, before the Lord met him, had a bad temper. And then God took that temper. But in this season where the sword is in the house, it's coming back again. And we oh God, as if I didn't know that it was there. The Bible says you have to pick up your cross daily. You got to crucify that flesh every single day, sometimes three, four times a day. 
And you got to be thankful. So, oh God, I'm glad that you're showing me this flesh because I don't want to reproduce it. You're saying it's harvest time. I don't want to reproduce this. I don't want to tell people that it's okay to just cuddle yourself and desire to be cuddled and, 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 and all of that. Uh, God knows how to minister to your need. But he comes from the Spirit. I'm going to go over to Joshua just for a moment and then come back to Matthew 10. You know, Joshua was, was a powerful leader. But he had the task of being Moses' aide or servant. He had to serve Moses. Now, I want to preface this by saying, y'all know that Moses had a temper, don't you? Some of you guys know. God said, don't strike the rock. Moses struck it, struck that rock. And he probably had some words. <laughs> he was a gentle man, but he had a temper. And you know how hard and difficult it is to serve a leader with a temper? Yeah. Scared of the silence. But the Bible says that Moses would pitch his tent outside of the camp because the people were, you know how people can, can be. <laughs> they had done some of everything, and, 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 and Moses had to pitch his tent because his tent was a tent that God met with. He pitched it outside the camp. And it says that when he was finished meeting with God, getting his heart for the people, he would leave and go back and minister to the people. But it says Joshua would stay there. This is Joshua that I'm getting ready to talk about. He would stay in the presence of God long after Moses went back to work. And I asked God, I said, God, why would Moses leave Joshua in his tent and he's going back to work and I heard the Holy Spirit tell me that Joshua had to get God's heart for Moses because he had to serve Moses Moses was getting God's heart for the people and it's easy to get God's heart for the people just ministering to the people or getting ministering to God wouldn't you rather minister to Jesus who's the same every day, yesterday, today, and forever than a man that you never know which side he's going to wake up on? And I'm talking about myself. I would hate to have to serve me because I'm always looking at the spiritual things and there's a whole lot of things that go undone. And people have to say, Pastor, you didn't see this? So I'm talking about myself, but... It says that Moses would go back to work and Joshua would stay long after. And the Lord said, 
Joshua had to get Moses, God's heart for Moses. And it takes longer. A little bit extra time in the presence to learn how to serve the man of God. Face to face and getting the vision is easy, but communicating to where everybody understand, that's why most people, when, when, when the, the pastor and leader is saying, speaking vision, they don't understand it. And I want to tell you, this is critical because your pastor is going to be bringing the vision of how you're going to accomplish receiving the harvest. And if you want to make it easy for him, you will have to have God's heart. And what I mean by that is we can be critical because visionaries, they're talking in a whole different language and they never think about execution. <laughs> they're just talking and, 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 and they, they, they expect you to just execute. And you don't even have the heart. You don't understand what is he talking about. And I'm telling you that you got to get the voice of God, and it takes the presence of God to get that. You got to stay long and say, God, show me how to serve this man of God. Show me, help me to understand what he's seeing. A little extra time in the presence of God. That ought to be a joy. Why is it a burden? Moses said, Joshua, you can stay as long as you want, but you still got to get the work done. I'm helping you because we don't know how much of a burden it is when you don't obey. Joshua and Joshua 5.13 it says it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hands. And Joshua went up to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our enemies? Now, I want to pause there because one of the first things we want to know is if God is for us. In our foolishness and in our mess, we want God to still be with us. We arguing, arguing with our wife and we want God to take our side. I'm in the wrong group. I, I know it. I, I can tell. We, 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 God, you are with me. I know I'm right. Oh, the flesh always has to be right. Never think about doing what's right. Laying your life. Oh, no, I won't. I got to be right. And I want God to be with me. I want everybody to agree with me. I'm trying to convince people. Are you on my side? And Joshua's on the plains of Jericho and he know God is 
with him. God says, I'm going to magnify you. I call you to lead this people into your inheritance. But, but, but how, God? How? 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 One of these things, one of the things that you got to know is that when God sent you on a campaign, when he began to instruct you that you're getting ready to do something, he has specific instructions. And the first person that has to get it is the man of God himself. God has been saying ever since I've known PB and PS and living hope that there was a harvest coming. Oh, ever since that we, we've been hearing that and, and the prophetic word can come and we could hear the prophetic word, but it is only when the instruction time. When God starts to speak. Notice Joshua didn't even recognize the Lord. Remember he was the one staying extra time. In the presence of the Lord. And he didn't even know him. This is the Lord. Why? Because he has a sword in his hand. And the Bible said he was standing opposite Joshua. Probably pointing the sword at Joshua. I never seen the Lord in that way, uh, pointing the sword at me. Who, me, God? The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, sharper than a double-edged sword, pointing at me, the Word of God coming, and it's not like the gentle. A sword. He was drawn in his hand, and Joshua went up to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our enemies? So he said, No, I'm not with either one of y'all. Now, I, let me help God. That, that wasn't the right answer, God. You with us, huh? We Israel. We be Israel. We're the saints, God. You, you're with us. We want God to take sides. And that makes it hard to be a witness. It makes it hard to, to come because some people don't agree with you and we want everybody to agree with, with us. No, I have come as the commander of the army of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth in worship and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. God always began to speak to us again with his voice. And he's giving you specific things to do. And he's telling you with a command. Not, uh, you, oh, oh, you can do it if you want to. And you can do it when you want to. Take your shoes off now. 
The place where you are standing is holy, and it becomes holy because the presence of God is there, and you are recognizing now that, that God, even though you may not recognize him, as soon as he make himself known, you fall on your face. Now, why is God speaking like this? Why is he speaking like this? I'll tell you why. God can come into your place and you not recognize him and he's ready to do all kinds of things and you don't recognize him because he doesn't look like you made him to be again. Before he can bless you, he has to begin to cut on you. If you read, I think it is in Joshua 4 that Joshua had to circumcise all of the men because they hadn't been circumcised. And can you imagine how painful that was? That God hurts you. He will hurt you in order to heal you. He will cut on you. And can you imagine the people thinking, surely he's not going to do this, is he? What you doing, Joshua? Getting these knives? What? Sharpening them? And saying, come here? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you understand that you cannot know God because he's not the God that cuts. Even though you read it in the scripture, but that was for them and it's for everybody else. But he circumcised your heart. He cuts away, not with hand, but with his spirit. He begins to cut. Joshua fell on his face and worshiped him. And he said, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said, take your sandals off for the place you're standing is holy. If I don't recognize God, I may not recognize the place that I'm standing is holy. I may not recognize that this is a holy place. And, and when he's speaking of a holy place, he's talking about the inner sanctuary, not the outer court. It's not the outer court life. He's saying this is the tabernacle of the holy of holies where you are standing, Joshua, is holy. And the holy place is the place where we worship. It's the place so many of us are not aware that we're in the holy place, so we have a difficult time worshiping. But, but when you recognize, when you recognize, I'm telling you sometimes we just don't recognize God because he doesn't look like what we thought. And we don't worship him in the way he's do because we are just looking and we always want him to do what we want. He's going to give him instructions. And you know how instructions come from God? They don't make no kind of sense. He tells Joshua when he says, take your shoes off. He's telling him now how to defeat this fortified city called Jericho and he's getting ready to tell him that I want you to march around it and I, want, I don't want the people to say anything. 
I want you to do it once a day for six days, and then on the seventh day, I want you to march around, and I want you to shout. Pacific instructions. What do you say to your servant? He says, this is what I'm going to do, and it made no kind of sense to nobody. Not even Joshua, but he's in the holy place, so he knows God speaking, right? But the people, when he says, you know, we're getting ready to, to go in and take Jericho, well, how are we going to do it, Joshua? We're going to march around, and you're going to keep your mouth closed. Now, that is the most difficult thing for a whole bunch of people to do. You're not going to make a sound until the seventh day. You're going to march around and keep your mouth shut. And, 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 and this is the word of the Lord. This is an instruction from, from God in the holy place where God knows, Joshua knows this is God speaking. But, but now he, got to, he has to come and tell the people. That's why I'm trying to tell you, if you want to make it easy for your man and woman of God, learn to just obey the voice of God. Don't even try to make them explain it because these guys, well, they don't make no kind of sense to me either. But I know it was God. I know it was God. And, and, and you can hear the conviction in the man and woman of God when they're speaking, but all of a sudden, when there's no obedience, or when someone is challenging them, said, oh, God, I, I, don't you know you can't march around any place and walls fall down. Pastor, why don't you Google it, Google it and see. We said, it can't be done. And so we said, no, we're going to have to help pastor. Because he's saying it's harvest time, but, uh, you, you know, he's been saying that for 12 years now. But now the sword is in the house. We can't even keep everybody calm and on the same page. And, and we can get word. Can't even get the people to come to church sometimes. And, and uh, they come late and they do all kinds of things. And, and uh, we, we, we have to say, come on, worship. Uh, come on. Come on. God is worthy to be worshipped. He's worthy to be worshipped. Come on. Begging you. So he has a sword in his hand and he gives them instructions. And we have to understand that even when we are becoming this military army, when we're going in to do battle and God is with us, we still have to take care of the regular things that are in the house. But I made you a, a spectator church and it's just a few people do the work. I wonder how these chairs get here every Sunday. <laughs> Praise God, but I thank God that they are here. And I have to come and sit down on time. Oh my goodness, what a burden that is. Or leave and don't take one chair with you to the place where it needs to be. I 
When I grew up, I grew up on a farm. I don't wish that on anyone. <laughs> and, and, and my daddy made us work. Uh, he wasn't mean, he just made us work. Now that's mean, right? When you make somebody do something, to serve in the house of the Lord, that's mean. Pastor is mean. He's a mean pastor. My, my daddy said, you're going to work. And you know what? We didn't get paid. <laughs> never even in his mind to pay us because the farm was our inheritance. And we should have had sense enough to know that you got you to gotta be willing to sow into your inheritance with your work. I know I'm all over the place, but I, and, and it may seem like I'm meddling a little, but it will help you in the long run. Because we're getting ready to be positioned to go in and take the harvest, and we're so disorderly we can't even help serve the house. We should be praying and asking God, what can I do? Not, oh, I work six days a week. Oh, God, you know I can't do anything. See, because the comfort is for me. I, I want to be comforted. I want to be convenient. We're getting ready to go in, and we, we're going to dislodge nations that are more powerful than we are. It seems like it's impossible, but he had brought you through the Red Sea, and you forgot that when you got to the Jordan. And then he parted the Jordan, and you out there saying, well, how are you going to do this? <laughs> I, I, we hungry, God. How, what, what, what's going to happen to us now? And you think, oh, he never parted a Jordan for me. He never parted the Red Sea for me. He's doing it every day, but you don't see it. He's protecting you every day. He's providing for you every day. But, but when you're so consumed with yourself, with your flesh, it's never enough. Because you can't satisfy yourself. I always want something else. When my mind is on the flesh. So we're getting ready to go in for conquest. And before you do that, you got to learn how to help in the house of the Lord. You got to learn how to serve. You got to learn how to ask God, God, what can I do? What is my, 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 my gifting? What can I do? Because there are so many things that has to happen in the house of the Lord when there's a campaign going on. The second part of definition of campaign is an organized course of action to achieve a particular goal. And we're pretty good at that, you know, but... Getting everybody involved, that's where the struggle. Because, of course, you're tired, right? We don't understand when we're serving the Lord, we are being replenished and renewed moment by moment, day by day. When you are really allowing yourself to be in the presence of God, where your mind is on the spirit and what he desires and not on your flesh and what you desire, oh, my goodness, could I say that again? If my mind is on the spirit and what he desires and not on myself and what I desire, oh, God, you know what? 
there wouldn't be hardly any prayers at all in the house of the Lord. Because most of our prayers is, God, you know what I need. What prayer would just go because it's all about me. Every prayer I pray is about me. It's about, oh God, you don't know. I need this, I need that, I need this. And, and Jesus said, your Heavenly Father know these things. Why are you bothering him with that? Can you satisfy yourself better than God? No. But when he starts to fulfill his promises, you're going to meet the sword. You're going to meet it. And many of you have already met it. And many of you have seen what happens when, when God comes in and you can't make nice anymore. And let me tell you again that it's not a bad thing when all hell is breaking loose, when everything is turning on everybody. It just tells you that the church wasn't meant to function in the flesh. But it's been functioning in the flesh so long until we think that's the right way of the Lord. Selfishness and, and, and I can't do it and I can't be on time and it's hard and I have to press you and beg you and do all kinds of things. And then in the back of my head, I got to be concerned that I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Hard to lead like that. Hard to lead like that when everybody's so sensitive. Pastor said, oh, he was preaching right at me. <laughs> Pastor, were you preaching at me? Yes, I was preaching at you. It was to everybody, the gospel to everybody. But now he's want to put the gospel in your mouth. I'm getting ready to close in a little bit. But I had to sit through it. I had to hear him say this to me. You know, he had to begin to tell me. Because you can get so common with the gospel. You can get so familiar with it. And, and, and you can always say, you know, I can dishonor my wife. God will forgive me. I can, I can dishonor the people. Uh, and God will forgive me because he will forgive you. But we've got to come to a place where we understand. That we can do better. Just a few more verses that I thought need to. When God sends you out for the harvest, He sends you like sheep among wolves. He says, beware men, for they will deliver you up to the council and scourge you in the synagogues. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you would say, for it is, will be given to you in that moment what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Oh, I would that God would help us, that it wouldn't be me that, that you are hearing, but the spirit of the Father. That when I speak the word of the Lord, it would be the spirit that everybody is hearing. Now brother will deliver brother to death and father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. 
It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and his servant, like his master. If they have called the master of the house be as above, how much more will they call those who are of his household? Therefore, do not fear. I want you to hear this. Do not fear. Even though you're getting ready to go into a whole nother dispensation of ministry where you, you're not just sitting there wondering how can God serve you? How can God serve me? God, you know you're supposed to do this if I say in Jesus' name. All of these things, you, it became so common and don't know that we are here for him. And he is there for the Father. He said, I've only come because my Father sent me here. And he came, and, and let me just tell you, he came to die a, a death that was so painful and, and, and so humiliating. It couldn't be the will of God, right? No, 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 no. Not for his only son, the one who loved. But that's why he came. I'm, I'm wrapping it up. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetop. The, the gospel is from God. And do not fear, do not fear, do not fear those who kill the body, but, not can, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who has able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Or not two sparrows sold for a copper coin and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than a sparrow. My value is not in what I'm going through or condition I'm in. It's, I'm worth more. I'm worth more than sparrows and he looks at a sparrow. He knows when one of them are missing. So my heart has to shift because now I, I, I'm living for, for Jesus. It's not just a, a colloquial saying. I, I'm living for him. What do you want me to do? I got to hear his voice because the word of God has been preached, but I've not heard his intimate voice in my heart saying, I want you to do this. It's, it's very personal. I, I need you to do this. You're the only one that can do it. And he speaks to us. But God, don't you know what I'm going through? Is is uh, I was I, I was born in, in a family that they didn't know how to treat me, and and you don't know it's a privilege to be born, because you can't be born again unless you're born the first time. And he said, I I I made you overcomers. That that's not just a word. That, that I made you to overcome. You can overcome wherever I put you, wherever I place you, because where the ground where you are standing. Is holy ground. The place where you were born is holy. I don't care if there, I don't even care if you were born to Aiken. And there's some Aiken heads in the, in the earth. You can overcome now because the gospel is here. So I want you to understand I'm shifting you I've said a whole lot but I'm, I'm, I'm preparing you for the harvest because we can't have any excuse when he start to send you out and the enemy doesn't want to let them go saying these are mine I don't know Emeryville belonged to me that's what the devil is saying Emeryville belonged to me y'all been trying to do this for a long time 
but the sword of the Lord is here. He begins in the house of the Lord. He begins to cut away because he doesn't want to reproduce flesh. Now, no more. By my spirit, says the Lord, by my spirit. And so he has to bring you to the end of yourself, and that's an ugly sight. When you come to the end of your flesh, it's ugly, 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 ugly. And then as I, I close, I, I, I had to learn how to hate that, not love it, not color it, not try to say it. It'll, it'll get better. It's not going to get better. It must die. It must be crucified. You got to do it daily. You can't get confused and say, oh, it's for my comfort. The church is to be filled with people ready to go and do his will. And whatever will it is, you got to hear the voice of the Lord because he speaks to you. The voice of the Lord is going out and you may be hearing this loud preacher. And then some of you are hearing the voice of the Lord in your heart. And he's speaking intimately to you. And he's saying, I'm not mad at you because you fail in your house. I'm exposing this so you can hate it. Because you can't change as long as you're saying, okay, I just, he'll keep forgiving me. And you're hurting people, you're hurting your family, you're hurting your children. And so he turns everything upside down and everybody's against everybody, arguing about everything, anything, little nothing, and just arguing, arguing, arguing. God says the sword is in the house now. You can begin to cooperate with him. You say, oh God, you're exposing that? I didn't know this was there. Yeah, you told me. I know, but I didn't believe it. There's nothing good in the flesh. No, I, I was looking for some redemptive thing in the flesh. I was looking for something that I could salvage. No, it must die. Amen, Jesus. I'm going to stop here. I'm not at home. I got to, I got to stop. All right, amen. Why don't we rest our feet? something and let's just put all of our desires all of our agendas all of our wants and our needs and let's just offer it to the Lord God we thank you for your word God, that you've come with the sword. God, that you've come to cut through our flesh, but not to kill us, but put to death the flesh so that we may live, so that we may have life, to have life abundant, Lord. And Lord, this morning, you're inviting us to lay down ourselves, but to lift up our eyes to see the one who satisfies God, it's impossible to satisfy ourselves. It's impossible to satisfy our flesh. But God, you're coming to give life. You're coming to give the fullness, Lord. And you're asking us to trust. So Lord, this morning we choose to trust you. We choose to lay down our agendas, our desires, 
the things that we have, God, and we choose you. So we thank you for what you're doing, Lord. God, we thank you that you chose us first, and that's why we could choose you. God, that you made a way for us to come to you. So we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.